0: Well, hey, everybody, welcome to another episode of Master the NEC, where we talk about the National Electrical Code and all things electrically related. And today's episode is sponsored by the Electrician's Academy. Now, the Electrician's Academy is a online electrician's academy, as it sounds, where you can actually get enhanced understanding and knowledge of topics like residential wiring, commercial wiring, industrial wiring, in-depth understanding of grounding and bonding, as well as Electricity 101, which teaches you all those fundamental things that you need to know about magnetism and atoms and how electricity works and and transformers. So that's kind of your Electricity 101. All of those courses are available. It's also available in a two-year Certificate of Completion program as well. So you can dedicate it and you get access to all these courses for two full years. And at the end of it, if you graduate, you get a Certificate of Completion Again, all of this is voluntary, but again, it, it's designed to really enhance your knowledge as an electrician or an apprentice learning to become an electrician or maybe even a seasoned electrician who simply wants to reduce the learning curve uh, in some other area of their work. Like maybe they're residential, they've never done commercial, so it gives you access to commercial so you can reduce that learning curve. All of that's available at the Electricians Academy. Their website is Um, www.electricalinstructor.com, electricalinstructor.com, and you can check out all of that information and register for your programs there. Um, So today's lesson we're going to be talking about is part of a leadership program that's provided by the Electricians Academy, and it's really geared towards business owners uh, as a main focus. If you're thinking about becoming a business owner, or you are a business owner and you got to think about the bigger picture. But I find that it's also a great topic for those that are in a leadership role in any company that they're not a business owner. Um, Also, it's real good information for electricians who think that at some point in their career, they're going to be a business owner. Um, And I like the electricians who act like business owners within a company, yet they aren't business owners because it means they have that initiative and they really care about the business. Okay, it is what puts food on the table. So I love the concept of leadership and business owner leadership. Even if you're not the owner, it's all about getting from A to B, and it might be beneficial to your future success. So that's what we're talking about here in this leadership series. Okay, so... At the end of this module today, this first session of this Leadership Academy, um, as part of Electrician's Academy, is we're going to be talking about leadership for business owners and developing a plan and strategy. So at the end of this module, you'll be able to explain the three critical duties of a business owner. And you should always walk in the shoes of a business owner, whether you are or not, because there is some critical things that they have to think about long term to be successful. Uh, you can start out as a mom and pop, very small, but rapidly, if you're successful in doing all the things that you need to do in marketing and, and being um, uh, very responsive to your customer, you're going to grow beyond that mom and pop, and you need to understand basic fundamental business owner type of strategies, and so we're going to talk about those, so we're going to explain the three critical duties of a business owner, things they are critical to their success, we'll be able to describe and compare the types of organizations out there, so you fully understand the business model and the organizational structure that you might lean towards, Um, you'll be able to describe the best department, uh, departmentation structure for you. What, what is identified as your best structure uh, in your business? Uh, We'll also explain the ACME security and original company organizational structure, kind of give you a little bit of an overview of that. It may or may not pertain to you. And of course, we're going to talk about a list of four stages of organizational growth. Now, all these things are critical for a business owner, but again, you could be somebody that's just in a leadership role, and these are critical as well for you to understand, okay? So we'll go into that. Okay, so we're going to look at the three critical duties of business owners first, and this is sometimes overlooked, but these are kind of the critical things that a business owner and you who Inspired to be business owners need to think about because all of these have key fundamental aspects to growth. Uh, now, in the beginning, the owner are the owners of a business, if you're just starting out, are often the best at making and delivering the product or services. Obviously, you got into business. You're the owner. You're intimate with the product. You're intimate with the service. So you ultimately become the best salesman for the product or the service. Okay. Now, since they have the most at stake as well, because you're wanting to be the you're the owner of this business, um, they often assume a wide variety of roles, including sales, accounting, uh, marketing, uh, service interaction, customer service, all that type of stuff. You're the one that's going to be doing that as a business owner. Now over time you're going to be delegating that out. But again, many people forget to to, to you know understand that a business owner wears many hats. And sometimes in an organizational structure, you have people on the lower portion, maybe the in electrical, the apprentices, who don't really understand what a business owner has to go through. So the quicker they can understand it and learn it, it's going to make them more understanding of decisions that business owners have to make and moving forward. Uh, how they could potentially be business owners themselves if they understand these critical fundamental things. Now, through a combination of skill, planning, talent, and even luck in many cases, the business managed to actually grow, okay? You, you're doing everything right. You've got the talent. You you put the planning in place. You've got the skill. You're ready to take that step. Or if you're a foreman or lead man or, or, or a journeyman or master and you're assuming a leadership role, You're putting all these pieces together to help the company grow, because if it grows, you grow, okay? And it also gives you valuable experience in case that day you might step out on your own, okay? Now, the growth leads to new and challenging roles in the business for everyone involved, including the owner, okay? So the owner has to wear so many hats, but as it starts to grow, they start bringing people on, then the business starts to change. You start picking up roles uh, that need to be addressed. Okay, so of all the roles an owner has in a business, okay, we're talking business owner or those that aspire to be, perhaps the most important one is to be the designer of the business. Okay, when you go into business, it's real important that you set the tone. Where do you wanna be in one year? Where do you wanna be in five years? Where do you want your company to be? Do you want to be a mom and pop forever? Or do you want to grow into having a fleet of trucks? Do you want to have a service division? Do you want to have a, a residential and commercial division? Where is your vision? What are you putting together? Why are you stepping out on your own, putting uh, everything, because sometimes it's very comfortable to have a 40 hour week job. You're stepping out of that comfort zone to be a business owner. Have you truly thought about all the things that are involved in your success? Well, one of the critical is the designing of the business, what the structure needs to be, okay? So in the role of a chief designer, which would be the owner you would be, you have three critical duties, okay? And we'll discuss each one of them and kind of elaborate, but one is you have to provide the vision and direction for the company, okay? You're the bottom line. Secondly, you have to develop and refine the process and the procedures for you to get from A to B. Unless you're just planning on going into business, throwing a lot of money into it, and just um, hoping that it all works out, you need to have a process and a procedure and how you're going to address issues. Put it down on paper. Take the time to invest in the plan. Okay? Now, Third, you need to create organizational human structure okay, for resources. Okay, so create an organization's human resource structure. So let's kind of talk about each one of these so you get a better understanding what we're talking about. Now, when it comes to vision and direction for the business owner, owners set the direction for the values of the company. What are your values? What mission are you, you know, one of the biggest values that I've always set is I want to treat people like I want to be treated. I don't have my guys go to a service call and we don't jam things down the throat of a customer just because it adds to our bottom line. Now, if they're legitimately necessary and it legitimately enhances the application, then I'm all for that. But snake oil things like that just to try to drive up the bottom line is not one of the things that 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 I pursue. And so that was one of our values of our company. Okay? You will establish your values. Now, you need to develop its product and service strategies. What are you going to offer? What tiers of plans do you offer when it comes to servicing? Um, What happens when you encounter a project that's a little more difficult than you thought it was going to be? And how you're doing your estimating. You need to come up with all of these strategies. Services, how quickly you respond. If you get a call, do you send somebody within 24 hours? Do you offer a warranty? What do you offer? You need to put all this down on paper. Okay, now starting out, it might be dreams of grandeur if you're a mom and pop, that you can't offer all these great things, but you need to put them down so that you can check these things off as your company grows. And at least you have a set path and a vision to follow. Okay, You have a direction and it's much easier to grow if you're following a path that are your dreams and wants and desires than they are just to just kind of wing it. Okay, Never a good scenario for success, just winging it. Okay, Remember, You have to set the tone in the relationships with customers, how that's going to be addressed, how you're moving forward so that everybody under you as you grow follows that vision and follows that core direction that you set out as the owner. Okay. Now for apprentices that are aspiring to be owners someday or just to move on in their licensure, again, these are some core fundamentals that you can follow. Treat others how you wish to be treated. Be very courteous train your if you're a journeyman's be openly able to train your apprentices it's not a it's not like a duty it's it's basically something that you should just do as good karma okay pass on your learning pass on what you've learned in the trade to those below you masters to journeyman's owners pass on that knowledge to your electricians okay you never know if they will be an owner someday and again If that scares you as a business owner, that your staff, even if you have some really good electricians, might become owners someday, then you need to reevaluate because, again, they have every right to achieve the American dream as you did. And so if they get to the point in their career where they want to step up and be an owner, you need to help them understand the tools to be successful. Okay? It would be very uh, greedy to not impart this wisdom on people under you. Okay? That's what good leaders, good leaders actually lead. Okay? Now... That is the concept of vision and direction. Now, the process and procedures portion of this three uh, different critical aspects is the owner designs the business model, okay, or I guess I should say the bigger picture that they want to have at the end where they feel that they're at that point of success, and they will design the processes of how we do business, okay, how we address it, the time frames, what we look like, how we dress, all this stuff needs to be written down and fundamentally in a plan. okay? They're called processes and procedures. Now, then they must fill in the details by analyzing the processes and finding any bottlenecks. Now, if you're the owner and you find something that's just not working out in a procedure, then you change the procedure to make it more efficient. Okay? You don't reduce the importance of it. You just change the process so that it doesn't have that bottleneck. Now, if you're a leadman or a foreman, and you're taking ownership of a company as if you own it, because, again, that's in your best interest um, to remember where your paycheck's coming from, then you will also be the first line of defense for the owner to look and see where something's just not working. And you have to be fluid enough in your processes and procedures to change it in some way. Okay. Um, And again, owners have to, and this has been a tough one for me, is over the years you can't be a micromanager. It's not really uh, going to be something that is, I guess, a hallmark of your success if you're constantly micromanaging it. Hire good people, put them in place, let them take responsibility, and let them shine. Okay? No need to micromanage. Now, don't confuse micromanagement with good leadership because leaders will step in and give guidance. Okay? Micromanagers will simply nitpick everything. Okay? And so there is a difference, and micromanagers can be a death sentence to a company. Okay. All right, so next let's move on to the human resource structure. So you're starting out, you might be just you and maybe a spouse that's helping you, or maybe you you and have one helper or something like that. Now, the problem with that is that's a good starting point, and maybe that's all you ever want. But Everybody that puts together a process and procedure and a vision for a company sees greater things, okay? Prosperity for themselves, prosperity for their family, prosperity for the people that work for them, prosperity for the customers that they serve. All these things are in this good loop of just doing great things. So everybody, it's a win-win, okay? But owner's identity... um, you know, they really identify the positions and types of people the business needs and they need to find the people in those roles. Um, so, again, one author, famous, well-known, best-selling author named Jim Collins uh, wrote a book called Good to Great. And he quoted it as saying, get the right people on the bus, the wrong people off the bus and get everyone in the right seats. And basically translation for me and you is hire the right people for the right job. Give them the tools they need to be successful and get out of the way. Let them be successful, but always be there as a mentoring leadership role. The owner is always the leader. The site foreman is always the leader by proxy of designation by the owner. So again, taking on these roles, it doesn't matter whether you're a business owner. It doesn't matter whether or not you're a lead foreman. All of these things are part of the human resource structure, the vision and direction, because the lead people are gonna take on this vision and direction from the owner. The process and procedures are gonna be developed by the owner and they're gonna be followed by everybody in the program so that you have known structured expectations and there's no surprises. And ultimately, the owner has to think about who do I put in what position? Now, if it's a mom and pop starting out, he doesn't have to make that human resource structure decision, but you at least need to put it down on paper. You need to be able to put down, okay, I'm going to have owner. I'm going to have two lead men. Maybe that's all you want is a three- or four-person crew. Uh, you can always amend this, this uh, vision. Uh, you got lead men, so you have supervisors, and then you have your electricians, and then you'll have helpers. Kind of envision your structure. And you'll have or either you're going to do a human resource person who's going to handle all hiring, firing, uh, things that have to do with uh, job site etiquettes and what, however you do it. You need to be thinking about that vision so that when you get there, you have a clear plan. OK, but you want to make sure you put the right people in the right position at all times. OK, so now we're going to look at a little bit of we're going to we're going to move into what's called organizational structure. We're going to look at a case study. So you can kind of see, so what we're talking about, we use this company called ACME, which is Acme Security. And we're going to look at theirs and do a case study, so to kind of give you an overview and kind of put these things together. Now, the company provides security and fire alarm systems for high-rise buildings and large corporate and government customers, because that's their role, that's their function. Um, It had grown to more than 40 employees in a short amount of time, uh, but was finding it increasingly difficult to provide the service customers expected. In other words, they grew beyond their means. Now, the company's organizational structure had evolved to meet the needs of the many family members that worked in the company, but not the needs of the customer. It expanded for its needs. It, it adjusted for what it needed, but it did not take into account what the customer needs. And at the end of the day, we have to remember that if you have apprentices, journeymans, and I'm using this as an example, uh, lead people on the job, they're sometimes so focused on getting their work done that they really show no uh, admiration for the end customer, okay? And many times they will show animosity towards the ownership because of a vision structure and a plan and persistently pushing it forward because you have to meet the expectations of the customer. And that trickles down onto the people from the owner because they're answering to the customer. But we don't spend enough time focusing inside of our company kind of keep it customer centric, if you will, to explain to the journeyman's electricians that, look, you might be working for me, but we're all working for the customer. Now, that old saying that the customer is always right. Now, I'm going to say that I don't always buy into that uh, because sometimes a customer crosses a line into stuff they have no clue. However, if I'm a business owner and I've contracted from a customer of mine, they are right in this, in the aspect of what we guarantee as a service to them. We're going to finish by this date. We're going to do this. We're going to do this. We have rules we have to meet. We have to sign agreements with the customer. I fully expect that my staff, whether it's electricians, helpers, to follow that same commitment. Okay, And so it's why it's so important to have a structure, procedures, and processes down so that everybody's clear. The worst thing that I've seen in companies is that, you don't make it clear. You convey a message at the ownership level, but the people in the company don't truly understand the mission. They don't understand why we have to do what we do. So it's why I always recommend that the owners, uh, the lead people have meetings with the staff to express to them, this is why we follow these procedures. This is why, you know, and if you don't like it or you, don't can't, or you can't follow it, then maybe this isn't the place you need to work. Um, but don't expect your people To be able to follow a process or procedure or a vision if you as an owner do not convey that. And every time that vision changes because of growth, you need to make an effort to explain this to the people that work for you so that they can do this with you. We do not want them to walk with you um, alone. We want to be able to walk with them together and understand the process. So don't expect them to walk with you alone. They don't understand it. Okay, and I don't want to lead and they follow. I want us all to go into this as a team, team effort. And so being very open about it as this changes in order to accommodate the needs of our customer is critically important. Now, Acme Securities Companies, um, original organizational structure. Okay, now, again, Acme is a a made up uh, company, but it is very really was about a company, but it's made up to protect the company. Um, original organizational structure caused many problems for the company, especially as its customer base began to expand. It really started to grow. Uh, they started out with a good vision. Everything looked really good. They had the procedure. Everything was down and they started to reap the benefits of it. The company had a product based structure. Uh, the departments included inspection, maintenance, and obviously alarm installation. Now each department had a manager a sales manager, had field crews, and offered them administrative support, okay? Now, even though most customers needed and purchased all of the company's services, no one was responsible for meeting the total needs of the customer. Each department focused on the getting their work done, very dedicated to achieving their work. So let me translate this to electrical contractor. Um, I've got the ownership. I've got administrative, the electricians, their focus is so much on just getting their work done uh, that they did not see the entire big picture. Um, So in this case, inspections for the Acme security, inspections had their role, maintenance had their role, installers had their, their role, but they didn't understand that all of these need to work together to meet the needs of the customer. They were very much focused in their own little island or bubble of getting theirs done and they didn't care about the customer. So the installers there, they could care less about the end customer. They were focused on getting their job done. And my job would be as an owner is to restructure that process so that they understand how I make commitments as an owner to my customer so that they can understand the timelines, that they can understand that when they're installing something that they always are thinking about the customer's needs, okay? And being very um, uh, in tune. To timelines and things like that because ultimately we've made promises to the customer, okay? Now, the lack of communication and coordination uh, resulted in scheduling and invoicing problems. And the problem with that, again, is the, the people that were involved with the installation only were focused on installation and they didn't think about the needs of inspection timelines. And the inspection didn't think about the needs, okay, of other timelines. And so and in billing and invoicing and Everybody needs to work together, and the only way you're going to do this is to, as you develop your structure, the organizational structure, and your processes and procedures is that you have somebody as a liaison between each one of these departments whose role is to help bridge the gap of communication, okay? Whoever that might be designated, that is their, their role, uh, and again, each one of the leaders of these different departments Okay, whether it's in this case in our fictitious one here for, uh, well, not fictitious. It actually was a real company. Um, Inspections, maintenance, and and the installation of alarms needed to communicate, and they were not communicating. Okay? Now, in this structure, this is kind of how it went. It went from CEO down, and you had those four divisions. Okay? You had the administrative. You had the inspections. You had the day work or the service, and then you have the alarm department. Okay, so it's kind of four structures. And then down from that, you had administrative, you had office managers, you had design and purchasing, you have receptionist. From the inspections, you had inspection managers, sales, field crews, uh, inspection coordinators, uh, inspection admins. So you had these functions in these roles. Now, in the day work service, you had the sales design, these are people that are in house designing. Um, you had superintendents, support crew, and field crews that might deal with the service aspect of it, okay, which is gonna be like maintenance and things like that. And of course you had the fire alarm division or the alarm division. That's where you have your alarm manager, alarm coordinator, supervisor, and then you had your crews, okay? So a, a, a normal, original organizational structure. Your four different divisions, and then you have the supports underneath those divisions, okay? Very normal structure. Now, while the optimal goal of improving customer service. That's what we wanted to do because they started noticing that customer service started going down. And at the end of the day, we report to the customer. They are our boss. Okay. Everybody thinks the owner is the ultimate boss. At the end of the day, our customers are the boss. They're the ones that pay the bill. Okay. And so ultimate goal is of trying to improve customer service in our company. And we have an original structure. Now, What should the new and improved Acme security organizational structure look like? Now, for this company, a function-based rather than a product-based structure was more appropriate. So, function-based versus product-based. Now, let me explain. The most contact for each Acme security customer, okay? At most contact for each Acme security customer, the account manager would report to the important change was to assign one person as the primary sales manager. Okay, so one person whose fundamental role is to manage an account, and that person is also going to be the liaison between the different divisions. Okay, so it was very much moving from just a a structure of product, like here we offer a product, and moved it more towards a service function-based saying, look, we offer all of these things that have to work together. So I need somebody who's going to actually hover over these and be an account manager and report to the important change. Um, and again, it's assigned to this one person as the primary sales manager. Now, the new company structure features two other key management positions that were added. Okay, it is an operations manager and an office manager. Now. These three key managers report directly to the CEO, whereas in the old structure, you had three divisions, and the CEO was directly over that, Okay, created a bottleneck because the CEO doesn't have the time to be able to deal with all these critical decisions, and he didn't delegate somebody that could make those critical decisions for flow and getting fast response for customer support. Now, okay, look. The three key managers that do report to CEO, the challenge for the CEO was to delegate responsibility and authority to these three managers. Having to release the control. One of the things that I find the hardest about a micromanaging type of CEO is to release control and let people make decisions without them having to make decisions. So it's important that a owner that gets to this size, and of course, we're just talking about an example of delegation, but gets to a point where you assign people that can make the decisions. And it's challenging for a CEO to delegate that responsibility. Now, in the following review, uh, we're going to look at the composition and responsibilities of these three functions. Um, And we will discuss their functions so that you can kind of see how we took a normal organizational structure, which was from CEO down to, let say, division heads down to the people that work under them, really had no bridge between the CEO and these divisions in order to have somebody that's accountable for the paperwork that gets transitioned back and forth between these divisions so that we can have seamless unity so that ultimately the customer's role uh, is as the person that benefits from this new structure. Okay, So we'll kind of look at each one of these. Now, When we think about the original structure, again, is CEO, and went straight down to administrative, inspection department, uh, service and maintenance, and then the alarm department, and then, of course, everything under it had an office manager, inspection manager, uh, had a, um, uh, you know, the day work, sales and design, and different associates, and, of course, you had the alarm department, which has an alarm manager, okay, but... At the end of the day, there was nobody that was ahead of the administrative, inspection department, maintenance, and alarm department other than the managers of that division, okay? So there was no middle person. So all of it bottlenecked up to the CEO to make decisions, and that did not add for um, a good flow of unity between all the divisions, but also to the end customer, okay? So now what we want to think is okay how do we get to the to the next step with this so what's in the new structure that we're looking at so the new structure does what it takes the ceo it drops it down to three divisions and the three divisions are sales manager operations manager and office manager okay now how does this flow down well the sales manager will be over they'll have an account manager okay and you'll have in this case multiple account managers and an alarm estimator. Under the operations manager, they will be in charge and they will have separate people that do scheduling, alarm techs, job costings, and inspection techs. That's under operations manager so they can coordinate the activities uh, and be able to have the ultimate answer for the customer on behalf of the CEO. And then the third is office manager, which oversees accounting, reception, human resource And underneath that, all the subsequent necessary things, under accounting, you have the financial reporting. uh, The receptionist handles the interaction between the company's initial interest from customers. And, of course, human resources, which has training and payroll. But ultimately here, instead of it being totally fragmented, you now have people that are responsible to take decision-making and get a quick turnaround for the actual customer. And it relieves the stress of the actual CEO. So let's talk about each role. So the new foundation structure uh, is broken into, like I said, three categories now. Sales, operations, and administration. So into the sales, this includes the sales manager, the account managers, and estimators. Account managers are assigned by building or a major corporate account. Uh, So you'll have multiple account managers, and some might facilitate really important corporate accounts, and that's what they handle. Um, this way everyone in the company and more importantly, the customer knows who is responsible for a question or a problem. They have somebody they can reach out to now and that person has to do the footwork. Okay. Now understand you might be a mom and pop and you're not there yet with this, but as you grow into your structure, I'm just giving you an example of what you need to think about your plan. Who's going to handle your issues? Are you going to have a sales force? You're going to have an operations force which handles, the installations, inspections, and then you're going to have administrative. Okay. So now let's move on to operations. What is their responsibility in this new structure for this company? Uh, now this includes the operations manager and the field crews. So this department includes a position responsible for scheduling all uh, operations work and a position responsible for collecting and entering all job cost information. Now, operations' primary task is to meet the needs of the account manager and the needs of the office manager with respect to information requested uh, or required to process invoices and payrolls. Now, what do we mean? Well, since you're dealing with operations, the field crews, it's important for them to deal with scheduling so that when they do a job, they can get the invoices and reports to the administration when necessary. Okay, and get it to the office manager within administrations so they can do a timely processing of invoices. It also allows operations to hand off any potential issues that they might encounter on a job site when it comes to things like human resources uh, or payroll that they can be the person that actually facilitates it. Remember, I said liaison that will actually work and get that information. So somebody is accountable. Now, this could be a VP of sales, VP of operations, VP of administration, whatever it might be. You have to have somebody that's accountable. Now, how do you translate that down into what you do? If you're a mom and pop, you are all these roles. But as you grow, you're going to realize that you're going to be pulled in so many directions. And a good business owner understands that I can't be selling and then fundamentally doing the day-to-day operations And then handling HR and administrative issues as I start to grow that I need to delegate this task. Now, sometimes people say that's easier said than done when you're not bringing in enough money to do all these tasks. So you can't pay somebody to do all these tasks. Well, again, that's part of your growth, your plan, your vision for where you want to be. And you just need to lay out your structure. It's a healthy exercise for anybody starting a business to kind of lay out where you want to be. Let me give you an example. So Electrical Code Academy, we started out as me doing everything, and I still do all of the grading of all of our students' work because I'm the technical person in the company. But I realized that I couldn't focus on sales, and I couldn't focus on like the CMECP program. I couldn't focus on all these things, so I built a structure that has other people that fundamentally take care of that, whether it's Brittany or Zach or Jeff or Darlene. There's other people involved in the company that I realized that I had to dedicate my time to the instruction portion. So that's how I dedicate my time. I am more involved in the instruction aspect of it, and I can be the face of sales and operations and administrations, but in the background, there's somebody feeding me that information that I'm sharing because I am more geared towards the instruction aspect of it. But I sat down when I started Electrical Code Academy Incorporated quite a few years ago now, and I wrote down what I needed and what I thought I could grow to. And we're slowly growing to that. And that's all I'm saying is you need to identify how you want to grow, where you want to grow and what structure you think you need. Now, whether you get there, it's part of the journey, but you need to be always thinking of these things as a business owner. Now, let's look at that last structure here, the administration. So we've talked about sales. We talked about operation uh, and how they coordinate everything. So invoicing gets sent over to administration, everything gets done. But what about the administration? What is their role? So the administration is led by an office manager. This department includes the receptionist, accounting manager, and human resources. Now, this department' primary task is to issue invoices and manage payables, receivables, and to provide management with timely financial reports. Okay, so that the CEO does not have to micromanage those aspects of the business. Now. This is a synergy between sales, who's creating the business, operations, who are facilitating the business, and administration, who is making sure that they get paid for all the efforts of sales and operations. So again, it's an outreach, there's an internal source of operations, and then making sure everybody gets paid, all the financials, all the issues of employee human resources are all handled from an administration division. Now, again, as a mom and pop, you probably are wearing all of these hats, okay? But um, it's always something to think about when it comes to structure, okay? Now, with this improved structure for this company and the new communication that they have, okay? And again, yours might be different. You need to think about these things, and that's why I'm bringing it up. It's all about thinking about how you would do your structure. In this case, it worked out great for the CEO because he gets to focus more on strategic issues, Okay, procedure changes and growth and and what he sees as a vision for his company, while the day-to-day operations will get done by the three different organizational branches that actually oversee the sales, the operations, and the administration of the company and to be able to provide the CEO timely feedback without the CEO being bogged down by those day-to-day tasks or mundane um, tasks that, that really they should not be focusing on. We can hire people to do that. Again, you might be a mom and pop, and this is not a structure for you. But it's things that you should sit down and, as a business owner, you should always sit down and, and even you know, go out and uh, bubble chart your 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 thoughts of how you want to grow, where you want to be. Okay. Now let's uh, go on to the next stage. Okay, so we're going to talk about what's called the four stages. Of organizational growth, and again, I understand that there 's a mom and pops and there's people that have a vision for where they want to grow and they want to have a number of trucks and and things like that. A great example of a growth story would be my buddy who 's a co-host of Electrician Live that's every Saturday night at 8 p.m. It's a great electrician topic show uh, that's available over on our YouTube channel, youtube.com forward slash master the NEC, or you can go to electricianlive.com as well and watch it from there. Um, He started out about six years ago. His name is Jay Grunberg, and Jay has grown his company up where he wore all the hats. And now he started to structurally see his company have to grow. He's working on an app to streamline how he does business. His wife is as a key partner in how they run their business. So he, again, he branched out and his company structure was him very much the in charge of the day-to-day electrical aspects and his wife does the marketing and the billing and, and the admin part. So he tailored his structure to his needs. And if I had to mentor Jay, I would tell him, As you're growing now, take your structure and put it down on paper so that you can see what it is, what supervisors you have, what staff you have. That way you give a structure to your staff so they know how they can move up, how they can increase, what they can do to move up and be more successful within that company. And that's a good, healthy exercise for somebody to actually storyboard out on paper. Okay? So... Anyway, that's advice that I would give to Jay on that, but he's doing wonderful without anybody's advice. So, you know, keep up the good work, Jay. Now, let's talk about the four stages of organizational growth. Now, as an organization grows, it generally processes through four stages of increasingly formal management structure. Stage number one, in a one-person operation, the owner does everything, sales bookkeeping, marketing, production, and so on. In fact, in a mom and pop, or just a pop, um, typically they're doing everything, wearing every hat, and it's very stressful, especially if you want to go from a nine to five working for somebody else, and you take a leap of faith and become an owner. You're going to realize that you're going to put in way more time than you did when you were simply working for somebody else. Again, you're motivated. Your aspirations to, is to own your own company uh, and be a leader. And again, this also is something that journeymen and, and master electricians and lead foremen need to understand because that might be you next. Okay, Your next generation of our leaders who want to own businesses, and we want you to be successful. So that's stage one. Everybody kind of ventures into that. Now, many firms remain a one-person operation indefinitely due to the owner's family obligations, financial constraints, or contentment with the status quo. I mean, that might be all you want. A great example of this is my brother. When we started AA Electric, I wanted to really grow. He was very happy at staying just a small little company, and so he was happy with that. Okay? I had different visions. Um so, ultimately, that drove us apart, and I had to open my own electoral contracting business uh, separate because we had different visions. It uh, doesn't mean that his is any different than mine as far as that's what he wanted. It's just different visions, okay, and different um, reasons for doing that. Okay, but that's stage one, and a lot of businesses start out with that. Now, stage two, as more people join an organization... Okay, you start hiring electricians, journeymen, helpers, uh, masters, uh, maybe an accountant or something, a business manager or something. The business becomes – the owner becomes uh, a player coach, if you will. So the entrepreneur continues to perform the day-to-day tasks as before. But along with other employees that are helping along the way, so the owner assumes additional employee management duties such as the hiring, the scheduling, the supervising, and even the payroll. Because as an electrical contractor, you may bring on electricians and you may bring on helpers, uh, but you're still serving the role as hiring them, scheduling them, supervising them. You are still overseeing the payroll. So you know what? You're not a one-man operation anymore anymore but what you've done is you've expanded your responsibilities because before it was just you you were responsible for. Now you're not only are you responsible for you, but now you're responsible for all these others and you're responsible for additional tasks and scheduling to make sure they stay busy and then ultimately visiting the sites and supervising them to make sure that everything's being done to your vision and your plan. Okay, now I will stay say at the stage two, uh, even in stage one, I like to, to paint a vision. I like you to paint out where you want to be, like we said, even though it's just you. But you want to have a vision, so you have a plan. Now when you get to stage two, that that plan is starting to generate. It's starting to become a reality. And in that plan, you're going to start looking for positions that if you get to a certain milestone, that you're going to start expanding and giving more responsibility to somebody that's in your company. You might have a really good master electrician who was, again, an employee, but you can also start saying, you know what, this person probably could take on the role of scheduling, uh, probably could take on the role of site supervision, not going to take on the payroll, okay, but can assume some of these, and you're going to reward them, obviously, for that additional burden that they're going to be taking on, Uh, but over time, you're going to start to see this thing grow, and you need to make sure that your vision, your process, your procedures, uh, everything falls in line with that, okay? So that's kind of the, the first and second stage of that. Now, the third stage of organizational growth is firms reach a major milestone uh, in their organizational development, and they realize they need to add additional levels of supervision It just can't take care of it. In other words, the payroll gets too much out of hand for them, uh, and they're being pulled in so many directions Uh, And and things like that, day-to-day service work, maybe you add another division, maybe you're doing residential, but you add some commercial or maybe even servicing work, which I will argue is different than residential. Uh, You have residential, then you have residential service work. And you need to add additional levels of supervision. So the owner starts to relinquish some of their direct control and begin working through an intermediary level of professional management. And that is where they take on somebody, like I just talked about, who will take on that role, whether you do it from the inside or you hire somebody from the outside. Uh, And they're going to be working at the direct immediate direction of the CEO. But that releases the burden on the CEO so they can start pulling back and or shouldn't say CEO owners. You might not. You might be an LLC. And it allows you to be able to focus on continued growth of the company and the vision and plan and procedure and, and how you take care of your customers because at the end of the day, the customers are the bottom line. Okay. Now, stage four of a company, as a company adds more layers of management and additional processes to be able to uh, accommodate the growth of employees and things like that, maybe you're starting to add benefits and things like that, it also adopts Written policies, you start to get budgets, standardizations, uh, personal practices, organizational charts, uh, job descriptions, and control protocols within the company to make sure that you're producing a reliable, consistent product, in our case, a service. And so this is where you would look back at your stage one and stage two vision plan and start to realize, am I moving in the direction that I want? Am I hiring the right management people? for certain processes, and again, you're going to tweak that as you move through the process, but these four stages give you the kind of growth of, I'm a by myself kind of person, I'm doing everything, so then I move into a role where I'm like, okay, um, I'm going to become a player coach, I'm going to hire an electrician, another electrician, and a helper, and over time, I'm still doing the day-to-day tests, okay? but now I'm also now managing other people, I am part of the hiring. I'm part of the scheduling. I'm part of the supervising and I'm obviously the payroll uh, because now it's more complicated. Okay. And it might even be part of benefits. I have to start adding benefits. So that becomes a, a role. But then you move into stage three and it's like a milestone. Now you're developing uh, an organizational development chart concept where now I'm like, okay, I'm going to start relinquishing control as the owner and I'm have to rely on people. And it doesn't matter which stage you're in, it's so much nicer if you, as an owner, kind of envision a plan. Now, you don't necessarily have to have all the procedures uh, and processes in place up to stage three, but you need to have a plan on where you want to be. Are you moving in the right direction? Do you want to have, okay, ultimately, I want to have three trucks on the road. I want to have three masters, three journeymen three helpers or maybe three masters and three helpers or however your plan is. And you need to say, am I going in that direction? And then as your growth changes, then you might have to add somebody else that might be an administrative or somebody more in sales that that's all they deal with is sales aspects if you need to grow your business that way. Um, It is an evolving process, but that's generally the four stages that a company will go through okay, in their company. Okay, Okay. now we're going to kind of move into what we call the types of organizations. Now, the types of organizations, uh, I'm going to go into each one and kind of talk about it in a little detail, uh, but we have what's called flat versus tall organizations. Now, by definition, a small business is typically a flat, centralized organization. The founder, the owner is the boss. They make all the critical decisions. However, as the personnel count starts to grow, the firm structure typically expands either horizontally flat or vertically tall, okay? Now, centralized versus decentralized organizations. Now, communication is essential to disseminate information throughout an organization. We all know that. Communication is key and can take place at many, many levels. Now, There are two communication models that are utilized, that is centralized and decentralized. Again, each style can be effective depending on the environment, and each has its advantages and its disadvantages. Now, when we're talking about flat organizations, now flat organizations follow the decentralized approach or an organic system, as many people will call it. There are fewer levels of management which creates an environment for faster growth and response between all levels because so there's less people that you have to get approval from, okay? It's very, uh, like we like to say, very streamlined and thin, okay? Now, organizations that follow this type of structure have wider spans of supervisory control and have more horizontal communication, okay? So there's less, um, what do we like to say? Uh, there's less... Generals and more soldiers, if you will. Now, more decisions are made at the middle level of the organization when it comes to a flat organization, okay? There are less bureaucracy and it's less structured. It's very horizontal. Um, externally, the organization as a whole becomes more adaptable to its market and quickly react to changes. Now, internally, that's externally. Now, internally. The organization as a whole encourages more participation between all levels of organizations because there's less um, decision makers in there as far as, I guess, in a middle management. There's less middle management. Uh, as a result, all levels have a potential of working more closely together, which enhances a closer working environment and better communication and creativity. Okay, so that's kind of a, a flat, and that works with a lot of people, and a lot of small companies start out that way, and you'll notice that in the beginning, things get done very rapidly, decisions get made very rapidly, because there's less people, there's less middlemen involved in this flat type of structure. Okay, Now, when we move on to what's called tall organizations, now a tall structure is a more formal, it's bureaucratic in the levels of approval. Okay, kind of like the old structure you see from up down, kind of like that one we just talked about a minute ago with Acme, CEO down to department heads down, down. You know, everybody's got a person you have to get approval from. So it can be bureaucratic organization or what's called a mechanicistic type of system. Um, it, in in this environment multiple levels of management control decision-making processes and employees within the organization have to follow this organizational structure now when numerous levels become involved in daily operations decision making tends to be uh, to be more impersonal okay their decisions are by the time you have an idea it goes to somebody above you then it gets to the person above them in order to get the ultimate decision. It loses that impersonal aspect because you're invested in it. But when it makes it to the next person, they're not as invested. And when it makes it to the next person, they start micromanaging it, and they're not as invested. Now they're looking at it from a cost perspective, whereas you're looking at it as maybe from a customer service advantage. It starts losing its its value to the people that aren't as invested in it as you are. So that's why a tall organization can have a lot of bureaucracy in it. Now, since this type of structure has more levels to it, the division of labor is more specialized. So departments can become more compartmentalized, which increases the communication within them, but does not lend itself to communicate with other departments. So there's usually in their structure, people do communicate, but it doesn't make it out of that structure to the next level level of approval. And it really means that they don't communicate with other departments Because people might say, well, we made a decision over in the marketing, but they didn't communicate with over in the sales if they're not intimately linked. And so the mission might not even make it where it needs to be because it's not good communication from one structure to the other. Whereas in a flat organization, it's very fluid across the flat plane. Whereas in the tall structure, it just becomes more bureaucratic and bureaucratic, I should say. And so that's what we see. Now, Let's talk about what's... And remember that the flat is decentralized organizations. Now, let's talk about centralized organizations. Now, centralized organizations require communication flow through a central person or location, okay? So decentralized, it's pretty much just randomly shared together collectively. Centralized means everything has to flow through a central person or a location that's going to make these decisions. Now, single leaders are... Um, prominent and have a great deal of decision making power. If you're the guy or gal that make the decisions, then you are the centralized organizational foundation person that's making those decisions. Now, these persons have access to more information and can therefore exercise a great deal of influence over groups of members by controlling the flow of critical information. So if everything funnels to one person, the buck stops with them, they might not share that information with other people that need to be involved in the decision-making process. So one of the disadvantages of centralized communication is that the organization's growth, the amount of information can overwhelm the central person or the hub or the department that makes these decisions. That process, uh, they're the ones that are processing this information. Now, that can be a disadvantage because things can get delayed. Decisions don't get made, okay? And, and things get fall through the cracks, okay? Now, one advantage to a centralized approach is that it encourages standardized processes that typically result in cost savings and better quality control. Now, what we mean by that is because we have a centralized location, they're going to want to make sure that all the information that comes into them is done pretty much in a standardized process. So they can make a decision quickly based on you giving them all the information that they need to make the decision. And whether it's sales or buying or uh, payroll or whatever it is, they need to have it very structured so it's not just coming in fragmented. So when you start to see a centralized organization or somebody or some department in a company that is responsible for all decisions from other branches of the company that come into it, that's called a centralized organization. And they will ultimately comprise the information, and they will bring it to the person that makes a decision, okay? And it might be a collective decision by that department, or it might move its way up to the uh, department head, or even up to this the owner, or CEO, or board of directors, or whatever it may be, okay? So there's advantages, and there's disadvantages uh, involved in that. But one of the advantages of centralized is the standardized procedure, and that's when you see in companies, anytime you're in a company and they say submit a form, that type of thing, then that is a standardized process, okay? It's not a decentralized, it is a centralized. It's it's all funneling into one core portion of the company that is designed or put in charge of making these decisions or putting together all the information to be able to present it to somebody who makes that decision, okay? That's a a fundamental difference. So with that, we say, well, are we going to explain what decentralized organization is? We kind of got the idea, but what is a decentralized organization? And we know now what a centralized is. Well, a decentralized organization uh, tends to utilize many channels of information flow, allow for more open communication between groups of members. Now, this model is more uh, conducive to solving complex problems. One of the major advantages to decentralized communication is that problems and processes can be solved and changed in a timely manner. Whereas the centralized, you got to follow a procedure, follow standardization. It can take time to move through this one central uh, controlling body, and it doesn't have other people's input in order to be able to make a decision. It's very much centralized. Whereas in a decentralized, other divisions will work together. And usually the advantage is that problems and processes can be adjusted pretty quickly, okay? So that's a difference. In a centralized, not so much, okay? They're they're very much about doing the same thing over and over and over and over and over analyzing things, whereas a decentralized is really going to be a brainchild of everybody, maybe department heads coming together to make a collective decision. Now, the needs of customers and employees are more easily and quickly met because fewer levels of management are involved in decentralized organizations. In a centralized organization, somebody a customer has a concern, it has to be submitted, it goes through a form, it has to be analyzed, it has to go to the central uh, centralized function department of that company. Somebody's got to make a decision. It's got to go to the next person in charge of them, ultimately making it to the top. In a decentralized organization, your department head with other department heads maybe get together. They discuss this, and you can get a resolution very quickly to the customer. They don't have to wait for other bureaucratic uh, procedures to take place. Very fluid, okay? So that's an advantage. Now, a major disadvantage to a decentralized organization is that departments can easily lose sight of the organization's common mission. Because in a centralized organization, their whole focus is standardization and by doing so, it adheres to the mission of the company. So it looks very much um, like, a, like I hate to use a term, IBM approached to it, okay? Rather than a more relaxed Google type of environment. Like if you've ever watched any of those videos that describe the atmosphere that takes place, let's say, in a Google uh, corporate office. So anyway, so sometimes, and it's decentralized, you have many people making a decision collectively. Um, they can make decisions that are that are knee jerk or aren't based on all the information because there's no standardized process. Um, then what happens there is that they can lose sight of the organization's mission of where we're trying to achieve. Okay, now to ensure organizations stay on the task, it's the responsibility for the upper management to maintain open lines of communication with local management so that even though it's decentralized. There is still a process that local management follows when they channel that information up to the organization, up to the upper management, and then the upper management will be a function of decentralized so they can have a conversation amongst the upper management in order to make a decision because the CEO has put these people in charge to make decisions, okay? So again, uh, decentralized is more open interaction between many divisions centralized, everything gets submitted to one division or one individual within a company and they're responsible for making the ultimate decision, okay? So, again, they might have somebody over them and somebody might be over them or they might be the decision maker, okay? Depends on the size of the company, but it means you have to wait on somebody and sometimes it can slow the process down again because of bureaucracy. But when it comes to decentralized, it's a little easier as long as you can keep them focused on the mission, And that's why I recommend it. I like the decentralized approach to an organization with a constant concept of making sure that all of the department heads, all the upper management, all the local management, uh, and that could be in your structure of electricians, let's say, your, your foreman or the upper management are always communicating with the site supervisors in order that the mission stays the same. The same communication always is the same. However, it's decentralized because the supervisor can share that with the lead and in the lead uh, or vice versa, however your structure goes, that that they can make decisions without having to take it all the way to the very top because there is trust in the people that have been placed in upper management leadership positions. Hopefully that makes sense. All right. So now we wanna talk a little bit about what's called departmentation, okay? Now, new business owners do not ask themselves how they should organize their business, okay? Rather, they organize by objective. What does it take to get the job done? Meet the goals or create wealth? That is very much the mentality of many new business owners, okay? Now, how owners organize a company Depends on a multitude of factors. For example, are certain tasks performed in-house or do you need to outsource them? Are people, such as the staff and the management, um, having the necessary skills available? Are they meeting the training needs? Are they are they educated in the areas that we're expecting them to function? So, as a business grows, its organizational structure is heavily influenced by four key things. Number one, function. People groups. Uh, people that are grouped with similar responsibilities, process, people involved in similar processes, product, people building a specific product, and projects, members of a project. Now, a firm structure, and we'll, we'll look into this, but a firm structure uh, might be influenced by some or all of these types of departmentations, okay? Large firms, usually employ a variety of departmentation styles, selecting the most appropriate form uh, for each subsystem. Okay, now let's kind of talk about this. So departmentation by function, okay? This is typically what we see when it comes to new owners. They go grouping activities by function is the most widely used form of departmentation that's out there in your business, if you're building your business model. Similar activities are housed in a department and under a single chain of command. Okay, now, for example, you could have sales, advertising, public relations, and promotion might be grouped in a marketing department. Okay, employee benefits, employee training, employee regulatory compliance may be housed in a human relations department, and so on and so on. So that's called departmentation By function, okay? So we could have a departmentation by function, and I could have a separate division that's, uh, I guess I should say, a, a department that is accounting, marketing, manufacturing, and human resources. So we're developing our departmentation structure based on our needs, okay? Our functions that we need, okay? So now, if you're doing it by process, which is different, So a development of your departmentation structure in your company by process is the process or equipment used to produce a product or service may be the basis for determining departmental units, okay? So maybe your company needs to do this by process, okay? Now, since a certain amount of expertise or training is required to handle complicated processes and complex machinery or applications or installations, Activities that involve the use of specialized equipment may be grouped in a separate department. Okay, you might have a specialized division, and that would be something separate. So, this form of departmentation is similar to the functional departmentation, but again, you have a department by process. So, in our case, you might have a design department, a manufacturing department, a storage department, and a shipping department. You also, in the electrical industry, you might have a, a residential department commercial department, service department, okay, photovoltaic department, and it's all about the process, process of doing electrical in residential applications, uh, commercial applications. Again, each one of these depends. If you're in the process of doing it by function, then that is more like accounting, marketing, manufacturing, human resources, under manufacturing, you then would drop down and have residential, commercial. That's based on function, okay? Okay. Um, maybe you don't even call it that. Maybe one is marketing, one is accounting, one is uh, installations, uh, things like that. So that would be by function. Whereas when it comes to by process, you're breaking it down instead of saying, okay, it's electrical installations, residential, commercial, industrial, service work, that type of thing. However you want to break your structure down. Now, you can also do this by product. Um and a lot of times we do this in the electrical industry, we break our function down by what we call product or, or what our product is. Okay. So our product, uh, for example, would be residential, commercial, industrial, service work, P V work, things like that. So project organizations are specifically designed to deal with the with a changing environment. Um meaning there's residential, you have many different things that can happen under residential. Uh, Maybe you have a division that just does basements. Maybe you have a division that does new construction, uh, multifamily, uh, residential, things like that. Now, a project, in the sense, is a series of related activities required to accomplish uh, a work outcome, such as development of a new product. So this might be a a structure you'd use if you're developing new products. Um, We tend to do this with Electrical Code Academy. We have... We do it by product, residential, commercial, industrial, grounding and bonding, things like that, exam prep, and we structure it from there, okay? Now, products and tasks, force, force is a team, okay, um, are generally uniquely designed to work at a non-recurring project, okay, when he does this. So you might have a specific uh, task that falls under a specific department and once that is done, that job is over with. But it still falls under the department of the product, let's say residential, okay? Um, they are tightly organized units under the direction of a manager with broad powers of authority, okay? So we have somebody that's over the residential, somebody that's over the commercial, somebody that's over the industrial. Again, and those are departments by products, okay? And again, I'm just translating it to the electrical industry Uh, That would be like when you have a residential division, commercial division, uh, industrial division, service division, things like that, okay? They have a distinct role in the product that they're providing, okay? That might be your structure that you might do, okay? Now, that's not to say that you don't have a mixture, okay? We call that by matrix, okay? So departmentation by matrix is some firms are organized by using a mix of departmentation-type Uh, They might have a mix of the, um, a product structure as well as a process structure, okay? Don't be, if this is no written in stone or line drawn in the sand, it's just to make you think about how you would set up your structure of business, okay? Now, again, it is not unusual to see a firm or company that utilize the function and the project organizational combination, okay? A little mixture of both, that's perfectly fine, um, the same is true for the process and project as well as other combinations. For instance, uh, let's take a hospital. You might have a large hospital, could have an accounting department. They could have a surgery department. They could have a marketing department. And you know what? They could have a satellite center project team that makes up an org- makes up their organizational structure. They might have remote locations as well that might do day surgeries, things like that. that you know, so there's that's a product. So you have the different combinations uh, that you might have uh, in order to create your structure, okay, many different structures. Now, in this departmentation type of structure, let's talk about what's called the span of control. Now, once the basis for departmentation are determined, whatever you want to do in your structure, okay, uh, let's say that you did it where you just simply have the structure Uh, where your departmentation is going to be a residential team, commercial team, service team. Okay, that's your structure. Okay, Um, now the first thing is another problem or structure immediately arises concerning how many departments or how many individual workers should be placed under the direction of one manager. How many people can a manager control? Now this is referred to as span of management or span of control issues. Now a number of factors should be considered when deciding upon span of control. Okay, so as your company grows and you're putting people in a control position of leadership, there's many things to take into consideration. Number one, the complexity of the subordinate's job and needs for interact with management. Okay, so two, the complexity of the supervisor's job. Three, the competence of the supervisors or subordinates, the number and nature of the supervisors, other interactions with non-subordinates. Okay. So what is their role when they oversee people? Are they just overseeing these people or do they have other roles within the company where they have to be taken away to attend meetings and, and other things and interact with other divisions? Um, Can they do that and still function? So you have to know, What's that safe medium that they can control and be interactive with the subordinates? That's the employees that are under the control of that individual, okay, that supervisor. All those things need to be taken into consideration. And, of course, lastly, the extent, the extent to which staff assists provide support, okay? So assistants that provide support, so how this is going to be interacted with, okay? All those things have to be be thought of. And and worked out. So all of those things, when you're assigning how many um, electricians can be under a supervisor, it's important to remember is that supervisor's role, or if you're the supervisor, is your role, you know, can you handle 15 people under you, 20 people under you, before it becomes problematic because the more people mean the more processes that you're in charge of. And you really want to focus on the tasks that you're given as the lead of that project or the supervisor. So again, you know, companies have to look at how many people can be under the direction of a supervisor, okay? Now, when I used to do it, I had a rule that no more than 10 employees could be under one individual supervisor, okay? And so that's, again, your rules could be different. I'm just saying, uh, and you as an owner or as a leader can adjust that plan at any time. If you see that somebody's overseeing 15, 20 people and things are getting falling behind, you're not getting good direction, there seems to be argument amongst the ranks, then maybe they're trying to do too many people. Uh, if maybe their role is overseeing people, but they also have to interact with other divisions or other departments that is going to take their take them away from their supervisory role, then maybe they should reduce the amount of people that they supervise. Or maybe they should have one more person in that chain. like, And this is typically where you have a supervisor and then you have a lead electrician who can step up when the supervisor has to be at other meetings so that there is somebody to be held accountable for when the supervisor comes back. And he can go to the lead and say, did you keep everybody moving along and meet all the issues? Um, communication is so key. Okay, So it's kind of like how we would translate it down uh, when, when we're, you know, for dealing with how you would do it in an electrical application, okay? So that's kind of giving you some insight. All right, so in this uh, lesson, you should have come away with the three critical duties of a business owner. Um, you should be able to explain the different organizations, uh, the merits and demerits or advantages or, you know, disadvantages of that business owners will encounter with these different organizations, Um, Again, you you also understand the various factors of influence in organizational structure as your business grows. Um, You'll be able, again, to explain the security issues associated with organizational structures uh, and how to achieve success uh, and what can be your pitfalls and describe each department that makes up an organization. All of those things uh, should have been part of what's actually discussed, and you should have a a good understanding of all of those by the end of this uh, presentation, okay? So, hopefully, you got something out of that and uh, really benefited you in in this concept. Now, that is the end of the first one. Next, we're going to be moving on to what's called selecting your team, and this is how you recruit and interview and select your team and, and picking which employees can become assets and things like that. So that's the next part, uh, in this leadership series. So hopefully you got something out of it till next time. Stay safe. God bless.